0: Between the Essential Reads and the English Essentials, I spend a lot of time writing scripts. Now, I could do this from home, but it's a lot nicer to get out of the house and work in a coffee shop or a cafe. I could use my phone data to check articles and research for my scripts, but that can get expensive fast. It's so much easier to use the Wi-Fi at my favourite coffee shops. Well, thanks to Surfshark VPN, I don't have to worry about public Wi-Fi networks stealing my data. I simply choose from one of their 3,200 plus servers in 100 countries and continue working without having to worry about anyone stealing my data. Use the link in the description or episode notes to get Surfshark VPN today for as little as $2.30 a month on a two-year plan. And work worry-free wherever you please. With continual development in technology, hackers and cybercriminals are getting better and better at installing viruses and hacking your electronic devices. We've all had antivirus software, but your run-of-the-mill software just isn't good enough anymore. With Surfshark Antivirus, not only will you have antivirus scans and real-time virus protection, but you'll also have access to a VPN. You'll be protected from targeted ads and tracking. You'll be notified if your data gets leaked by data brokers. And most importantly, it's incredibly easy to set up and use. If you feel like your online protection should be better, Use the link in the description and episode notes to get 76% off Surfshark antivirus today, and feel safe every day on your devices. Hello, and welcome to the Essential Reads podcast. My name is Isaac, and my goal is to bring you a bunch of classic English audiobooks in an easy and accessible way. This podcast is brought to you by my store. I will publish all my audiobooks in podcast format here, But if you really want to support me in making these, or just want to listen to them when disconnected from the internet, then you can buy my audiobooks for five bucks at theessentialreads.myshopify.com. The link will be in the description. Let's get started. The War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells Book 2, Chapter 6 The Work of the Fifteen Days For some time, I stood tottering on the mound, regardless of my safety. Within that noisome den from which I had emerged, I had thought, with a narrow intensity, only of our immediate security. I had not realized what had been happening to the world. I had not anticipated this startling vision of unfamiliar things. I had expected to see Sheen in ruins. I found about me the landscape, weird and lurid, of another planet. For that moment, I touched an emotion beyond the common range of men, yet the one that the poor brutes we dominate know only too well. I felt as a rabbit might feel, returning to his burrow and suddenly confronted by the work of a dozen busy navvies digging the foundations of his house. I felt the first inkling of a thing that presently grew quite clear in my mind that oppressed me for many days, a sense of dethronement. A persuasion that I was no longer a master, but an animal among the animals, under the Martian heel. With us it would be as with them, to lurk and watch, to run and hide. The fear and empire of man had passed away. But so soon as this strangeness had been realised, it passed, and my dominant motive became the hunger of my long and dismal fast. In the direction away from the pit, I saw, beyond a red-covered wall, a patch of garden ground, unburied. This gave me a hint. I went knee-deep, and sometimes neck-deep, in the red weed. The density of the weed gave me a reassuring sense of hiding. The wall was some six feet high, and when I attempted to clamber it, I found that I could not lift my feet to the crest. So I went along the side of it, and came to a corner and rockwork that enabled me to get to the top. "'and tumbled into the garden I coveted. "'Here I found some young onions, "'a couple of gladius bulbs, "'and a quantity of immature carrots, "'all of which I secured, "'and, scrambling over a ruined wall, "'went on my way through the scarlet and crimson trees "'towards Kew, "'though it was like I was walking through an avenue "'of gigantic blood drops, "'possessed with two ideas, "'to get more food and to limp "'as soon and as far as my strength permitted "'out of this accursed, unearthly region of the pit.' Some way farther, in a grassy place, was a group of mushrooms which I also devoured, and then I came upon a brown sheet of flowing, shallow water where meadows used to be. These fragments of nourishment served only to wet my hunger. At first, I was surprised at this flood in a hot, dry summer, but afterwards I discovered it was caused by the tropical exuberance of the red weeds. Directly, this extraordinary growth encountered water; it straightway became gigantic and of unparalleled facundity. Its seeds were simply poured down into the water of the Way and Thames, and its swiftly growing and titanic waterfonds speedily choked both those rivers. At Putney, as I afterwards saw, the bridge was almost lost in a tangle of this weed, and at Richmond, too, the Thames water poured in a broad and shallow stream across the meadow of Hampton and Twickenham. As the water spread, the weeds followed them, until the ruined villas of the Thames Valley were for a short time lost in this red swamp, whose margin I explored, and much of the desolation the Martians had caused was concealed. A cankering disease due, it is believed, to the action of certain bacteria presently seized upon it. Now, by the action of natural selection, all terrestrial plants have acquired resisting power against those bacterial diseases. They never succumb without a severe struggle but the red weed rotted like a thing already dead. The fronds became bleached and then shriveled and brittle. They broke off at the least touch, and the waters that had stimulated their growth carried their last vestiges out to sea. My first act on coming to this water was, of course, to slack my thirst. I drank a great deal of it, and, moved by an impulse, gnawed some fonds of red weed. But they were watery, and had a sickly, metallic taste. I found the water sufficiently shallow for me to wade securely, although the red weed impeded my feet a little, but the flood, evidently, got deeper toward the river, and I turned back to Mortlake. I managed to make out of the road by means of occasional ruins of its villas and fences and lamps, and so presently got out of this spate and made my way up the hill going towards Roehampton, and came out on Putney Common. Here the scenery changed from the strange and unfamiliar to the wreckage of the familiar. Patches of ground exhibited the devastation of a cyclone, and at a few score yards I would come upon perfectly undisturbed spaces, houses with their blinds trimly drawn and doors closed as if they had been left for a day by the owners, or as if their inhabitants slept within. The red weed was less abundant. The tall trees along the lane were free from the red creeper. I hunted for food among the trees, finding nothing and I also raided a couple of silent houses but they had already been broken into and ransacked. I rested for the remainder of daylight in a shrubbery, being, in my enfeeble condition, too fatigued to push on. All this time, I saw no human beings, and no signs of the Martians. I encountered a couple of hungry-looking dogs, but both hurried circuitously away from the advances I made to them. Near Rohampton, I had seen two human skeletons, Not bodies, but skeletons, picked clean, and in the wood by me I found the crushed and scattered bones of several cats and rabbits and the skull of a sheep. But though I gnawed parts of these in my mouth, there was nothing to be got from them. After sunset, I struggled along the road toward Putney, where I think the heat ray must have been used for some reason, and in the garden beyond Roehampton, I got a quantity of immature potatoes, sufficient to stay my hunger. From this garden, one looked down upon Putney and the river. The aspect of the place, in the dusk, was singularly desolate. Blackened trees, blackened desolate ruins, and down the hill, the sheets of flooded river, red-tinged with the weed. And overall silence. It filled me with indescribable terror to think how swiftly the desolate change had come. For a time... I believed that mankind had been swept out of existence and that I stood there, alone, the last man alive. Hard by the top of Putney Hill, I came upon another skeleton, with the arms dislocated and removed several yards from the rest of the body. As I proceeded, I became more convinced that the extermination of mankind was, save for such stragglers as myself, already accomplished in this part of the world. The Martians, I thought, had gone on, and left our country, desolated, seeking food elsewhere. Perhaps even now they were destroying Berlin or Paris. Or perhaps it might be they'd gone northward. Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please like, comment, share, all that jazz. And if you really enjoyed, do subscribe, because there's more to come. And if you're listening on podcast, please leave a review, five stars preferred, but leave whatever you want, anything that will help me get this in front of as many people as possible. And if you really want to support me, go to my Patreon. It would mean the world to me if you could help me turn this into my job. It would be fantastic. Once again, thank you for listening. And until next time, bye-bye.